know April uh, was the month of Easter celebrations, uh, but I just, uh, I suppose I have uh, uh, still a message in regard, not to necessarily directly Easter, but for us today, out of that whole thing of what Jesus has done for us. And so I want to turn to John chapter 2, verses 1 to 11, which isn't uh, necessarily a Easter story at all, uh, but let's talk about it. It's talking about, in actual fact, it's the very first miracle Jesus ever did publicly uh, while in uh, Judea, Galilee, and that area. It's the first, very first miracle. Uh, so let's talk about that. Uh, let me read it to you, John chapter 2, verses 1 to 11. And uh, it says this, On the third day, uh, there was a wedding in Cana of Galilee. Let me just say that again, on the third day. That's an interesting opening line, isn't it? There's a lot of scripture, uh, there's a lot of, of scripture has that phrase in it, has that statement on the third. Can you think of anything that happened on the third day? Yeah, okay, let's leave it there. I think you got it. On the third day, there was a wedding in Cana. If you don't know, just ask the person beside you. On the third day, there was a wedding in the Cana of Galilee, and the mother of Jesus was there. Uh, I love the way John writes this. Uh, he continually talks about um, Jesus' mother, as the mother of Jesus. Uh, just so we've got no, um, uh, no misunderstanding here, it was Mary, if you didn't know that. Uh, so, and the mother of Jesus was there. And, both, and now both Jesus and his disciples were invited to the wedding. Uh, look, the, the thought was possibly, it doesn't say that, but the thought is that possibly it was a family affair, it was related. Maybe this wedding, this young couple were related to either Joseph or Mary. We don't really know, but you know, Jesus was invited. Mary was there. Verse 3, and when they ran out of wine, the mother of Jesus, what's wrong with you, John? Just call her Mary. Um, mother of Jesus said to him, they have no wine. And then Jesus said to a woman, what does your concern have to do with me? My hour has not yet come. And his mother, his mother Mary, <laughs> said to the servants, whatever he says to you, do it. Uh, and now there were set there six water pots of stone, according to the manner of purification of the Jews, containing 20 or 30 gallons apiece. And Jesus said to them, the servants that is, fill the water pots with water, and they filled them up to the brim. And he said to them, draw some out now and take it to the master of the feast. And they took it. And when the feast of, a master of the feast had tasted the water that was made wine and did not know where it had come from, but the servants who had drawn the water knew, the master of the feast called the bridegroom. He said, listen here, mate. It's the Australian version. Every man at the beginning sets out the good wine, and then the guests have well drunk. Then the inferior comes, and you have kept the good wine until now. Uh, this beginning of signs, Jesus did in Cana of Galilee, and manifested his glory, and his disciples believed in him. Um, actually, I'll leave verse 19 out. We'll just leave it there. Uh, interesting, because verse that last verse uh, says this was the beginning of signs. In other words, the very first miracle that Jesus actually performed in public Okay, in public. It wasn't a big crowd, it was just a wedding crowd. Maybe it was a couple hundred people at the wedding, we don't really know, but he performed this miracle. My message title today is, You Need a Third Day. Okay, you need a third day. Uh, and my first simple thought comes from John, the verse 3 and 4. And uh, when they ran out of wine, the mother of Jesus said to him, They have no wine. And Jesus said to a woman, What does that concern have to do with me? My hour has not yet come. Can I just pray? Father, I thank you today. Uh, Father God, that you're an incredible, 
uh, our Lord, uh, uh, God that has incredible truth for us. So I pray that we would be uh, just good uh, soil for the seed of your word today. Uh, because there's life and death in the power of your word. And we thank you for it in Jesus' name. Amen? Amen. So, as I said, first thought today, uh, they ran out of wine. The mother of Jesus said, Jesus came over to Jesus. Mary comes over to Jesus. They have no wine. And Jesus says, what's that got to do with me? My time has not yet come. Interesting comment. My first, the first point is simply this. It's a really basic uh, title to this first point. But you know what? Jesus is the answer. Now, the truth is, at that moment in history when the wedding of Cana was unfolding and the time around Jesus' life, he had not yet, as I said, revealed himself to publicly through miracles. And so they didn't know Jesus was the answer. We have the opportunity and the uh, wonderful uh, ability to understand that there is a Savior, and His name is Jesus Christ, and He still is the answer, folks. He was the answer way back then. In actual fact, He's still the answer um, in the last uh, century ago. He's still the answer today. Um, and that might seem like a very frivolous kind of statement. Oh, that's easy to say Jesus is the answer, but what is He going to do for me? Well, I want to just say this, is that we see in John chapter 4, verse 20, uh, 27, I believe it is, is that Jesus actually says something pretty significant about himself. He says, you know what? I am the resurrection and the life. Did you know what he said? He says, I am the resurrection and the life. Had Jesus actually gone to the cross and died and rose again? No, uh, he didn't. But he proclaimed something about himself well before he ever went uh, to Calvary and rose from the dead. He said, you know what, I am. He didn't say, I will be, I am the resurrection and the life. I want you to know, no, take note of that because Jesus is the resurrection and the life still today. Of course, we understand that from the point of view of the fact that he has actually died and rose again and resurrected. But they didn't have Jesus resurrected at that stage, and yet he still declared it well before he ever actually went to Calvary. And the reason is because he literally was. He was the resurrection uh, for many people in that day. He was the answer, and they came to know that Jesus was the answer. He was the resurrection for blind Bartimaeus when he couldn't see, and he got his sight back, and he was healed. He was, he was the resurrection for the man at the Pool of Shalom when he's lame and wanted to jump in the water just to get, you know, because he thought that was something mystical about that water. But Jesus comes along and heals him of his lameness, and he gets up and walks. He was the resurrection for literally hundreds of people as he walked upon the earth for those three years of ministry. And he's still the resurrection. He is the, you know what, he's the peace for the, for the person's heart this morning that has got anything but peace. He's the, he's the, um, he's the courage for those who f are fearful today. He's everything. He's the love for those who just don't feel loved today. He's the joy where there just doesn't seem to be anything to be joyful about He's the way, he's the truth, he's the life. He's still the hope of the world, even though the world and a lot of the world don't acknowledge that. He is the answer. It's a very simple point, but it's a profound point because in this particular situation, in this story, we see at the wedding of Cana, they ran out of wine. Now, Mary was acutely aware of this, and she comes over to Jesus and says, they've run out of wine. 
Jewish weddings, folks, were steeped in tradition and culture. You've got to understand, one of the customs was providing an extravagant feast for anybody who came to the wedding. And something went wrong in this wedding. They all they either were very thirsty that day or they just didn't calculate enough wine to go, to go around. And they halfway through the wedding, they ran out of wine. That's not a good thing. It's like, you know, running out of food. You wouldn't want that to happen. But anyway, this is what happened. And we may think and understandably think that running out of wine was hardly a life or death situation. Well, you'd be right. It wasn't a life or death. and No one was in physical pain. But Jesus interceded with a miracle to solve the problem. And though Jesus, and, through, and this was his first recorded miracle, as I've said, and it, and it may seem a little unnecessary, yet Jesus attended to it because it was important to a young couple. Because you've got to understand the culture, as I said, of the Jewish marriage was that you provided. And if you didn't provide, you were irresponsible. And there was a stigma and a shame and a recklessness that was placed upon your life and thinking that well, you didn't provide for your guests. It, it, it was a cruel kind of culture, but it was the truth. If you didn't provide, you would live with that stigma for the rest of your life. And this young couple didn't need that, and Jesus saw it, and so he said, you know what, I'm going to do something about it. Eventually, he did something about it. There may seem like there was some reluctance for him to do anything about it, because Mary came to him and, and said, you know, they've run out of wine. And he says, well, what, that, what is that to, concerned with me? But he went on to produce an incredible miracle. Now, let's, let's just understand that. And then, and the interesting thing was, is that he was saving literally a young couple from a life of always being seen in their particular community as that's the couple who ran out of wine at their wedding, which would bring a shame on upon their life and, and, and a sense of irresponsibility. So I'm glad that didn't happen at my wedding. We, mind you, we didn't have wine. We just had soft drink. But I think everybody who drew, drank beer at my wedding was like, you're joking, we've got to be sober and be happy. <laughs> that's, a, that's a joke. <laughs> it's a bit of a shock, actually, to my uncles. <laughs> Jesus, in the midst of this, says to Mary in response, first of all, he says, what's the concern with me? But he then said, my hour has not yet come. Now, the Bible records some of Jesus' comments, and they seem strange at best. They seem strange comments. They seem out of context of what's really happening. And that's one of these comments. My hour has not yet come. What, what's that got to do with turning water into wine? What's that going to do with the wedding at Cana? What in the world are you talking about, Jesus? Have you ever thought that, read something in the Bible and thought, what's that? That's a good question. Well, don't leave it. Explore it. Because if we look, at, we take a moment to look at this story, you've got to know the backstory uh, to this story so that you understand what's really happening. Because all Jesus... All Jesus' life, Mary, the mother of Jesus, who was a prominent figure in this particular story, uh, knew Jesus was uh, destined for something incredible. 
And I think she felt that she, he was destined for something incredible that was going to touch the lives of literally lots of other people. She probably didn't realize it would touch the lives of the world eventually, but she knew Jesus was, had a destiny that was amazing because when at his birth, there was these three smelly shepherds that turned up and said, you know, we've just seen angels in the sky and they're singing praises to God over your son who has just been born here in Bethlehem tonight. And they were pretty, and they worshipped Jesus. And like Mary, you know, whoa. And then it says in Scripture, in Luke chapter 2, verse 9, in response to that, it says, Mary kept all these things in her heart. In other words, she, what's that mean? She, she stored that memory. Wow. She remembers the night he was born. Not just because it was, she gave birth to Jesus, the physical pain of that, but literally because of what happened. The shepherds came. Eventually, the wise men, that could have been anywhere within the next two years, but things were happening and she retained it in her heart. Um, Mary and Joseph took Jesus to the temple when he was eight days old in Jerusalem. They went from that Bethlehem and they went to Jerusalem and they, as the custom was, as they circumcised Jesus and they had him kind of prayed for or dedicated. And there was an old man popped up called Simeon. He was very old and he was waiting for something special and God told him it was going to happen today. And Mary and Joseph walk in with this little eight-year-old, eight, eight day, sorry, <laughs> your old baby, eight-day-old baby. <clears throat> and the old man then says this in Luke 2.30, my eyes have seen the Lord's salvation. Mary's like, whoa, this Lord's salvation and this little and then if that wasn't enough, in a couple other verses afterwards, in 34 and 35, it says, she said, um, Simeon said to Mary, behold, this child is destined for the fall and rise of many in Israel. And for a sign which will be spoken against, he will be spoken against. Yes, and a sword will pierce through your own soul as well. I got a, I got a sense that um, Mary... In hindsight, after Jesus' death and resurrection, would have known when that sword went through her soul. And as Jesus hung on a cross, and if it wasn't enough that they had whipped him, pulled his beard, thrust a crown of thorns upon his head and down into his scalp, and then if that wasn't enough, and then nailed him to a cross. Remember, they put a sword in Jesus' side. And I think as Mary, maybe not right at the foot, but some meters away would have been looking with some other ladies, as we, the scripture tells us. As she saw that sword go, she thought, it wasn't it enough just to crucify him? And now you have to put a sword in his side? No, it, was, it would have been almost like that sword went into her side as the mother of Jesus. As she saw Jesus suffer incredibly. Well, that's what Simeon said, and it was pretty accurate and true. And if that wasn't enough, then at the age of 12, and, you know, and Mary would have remembered all these things. At the age of 12, they were going to the Jerusalem for the festivals, the festival of Passover, the festival of feasts, and et cetera, et cetera. And it says in Luke 2.47 that um, it was, um, they'd actually now had those times in that week of festival, and they were going back now to Nazareth. And they realized Jesus wasn't with them, and so they had lost him. He was accidentally, they didn't mean to. They went back to Jerusalem, and it says for three days. How many days? Three days. On the third day, interesting, they found him in the temple. He was talking to the priests, and it, they were, and it says in the scriptures in verse 47 that they were astonished at the understanding Jesus had. Here's a 12-year-old teaching them 
about the things of God. They were astonished. And it says then in verse 51, Mary kept all these things in her heart. So Mary knew that Jesus was destined to do something great for the world. And she didn't know exactly what Jesus would face, but she knew it was meant some type of pain probably for him, but also for her. She didn't understand it all. She just knew Jesus could do amazing things for people. And so she comes up to Jesus and she says, Jesus, Jesus, they've run out of wine. You know how embarrassing... I'm just filling in the blank, the gaps. You know how embarrassing that will be? You know how, how, how shameful that will be? Jesus, they've run out of wine. Hint, hint. Do something. Jesus didn't respond too favorably. I want to tell you why possibly that happened. Because Jesus wasn't yet revealed to the world as a miracle man. Up to this point, I mean, two days ago, he, he had actually just been walking along the Jordan River. And John the Baptist had been baptizing And John the Baptist points at Jesus for the first time and says, Behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. So all who there would have heard it, but not all of would have understood it. But John was prophesying an incredible statement. That was the first day. And then, because it actually says in Scripture in John chapter 1, this is the chapter before what we just read about the wedding in Cana, it literally says the next day, John the Baptist made an incredible testimony about Jesus. And then as we go on in chapter 1, it says the next day after that, it says talks about Peter and it talks about Andrew hearing Jesus speak and followed him because they were so interested in what this rabbi was talking about. That was the second day. And then we see in Scripture, we come to the third day. And the wedding story unfolds. So Jesus had to that point not yet revealed himself. I mean he'd revealed himself. John the Baptist had testified about him. Peter and Andrew were interested in him. But he'd not revealed. He'd not done any miracles. And so you've got to understand. To do a miracle would have mean everyone would know. They didn't have social media in those days. But folks... If he did a miracle, the word was going to get out. That's why thousands of people would come to him after he found found out about miracles and healings of people that he'd performed. So Jesus knew that once he did a miracle, that people would then start to realize he's a miracle worker and he's the son of God. And Jesus knew that once he was revealed as the son of God through miracles, that would set him on a course towards the cross. And John the Baptist revealed him as the sacrificial lamb. Peter and Andrew wanted to follow him because of the things he said. But a miracle, to do a miracle, that was coming out of the closet, so to speak. That was, that was different. This, that would set him on what he knew would happen. Because as soon as a miracle started to happen, you could be sure that the Pharisees would start to speak against him. And ultimately, that would lead him to the, his uh, murder, his death on the cross. But ultimately, of course, his resurrection. So it's interesting it would start the clock ticking what he was really and what was he ready for that maybe he didn't expect to be that to be happening so soon and especially on a family wedding i this was going to be a joyous day and i know me performing a miracle and turning water into wine will be very exciting for the young couple and ultimately he did it but he knew what it meant for him personally he was setting himself on a course three years about three years into the future where he would die for humanity, a cruel and terrible death. So I can understand, you could see the progression 
here. Very clearly, turn water into wine means I'm going to have to face the cross. Turning water into wine, that means my blood will have to be spilled, my body will be broken. And you can now maybe start to grasp the fact of why he said, my time has not yet come. Well, the truth was, to die, yeah, that didn't come. It was going to be Jesus maybe, well, ultimately as God, he probably knew exactly. But the truth was, um, Mary didn't know. She just knew he was a special man, that he was going to do amazing things for people. But his time had not yet come to die, but Mary certainly wanted to give him a push start. And that's why she said, you know, they run out of wine. She said, what's that got to do with me? And then he said, my time has not yet come. Well, I think he considered what he just said, and he thought, you know what? John the Baptist has testified of it two days ago. I've got two followers already, and Peter and Andrew, they're following me. I think it's time. And he performed a miracle. He turned the water into wine, uh, wine and, and the shame and, the, uh, and uh, the re- what happened with that young couple was uh, stopped so that they could go on in life. But more importantly, there was a greater thing happening that no one knew about, but Jesus knew that he just set the top clock ticking for his future. Death, crucifixion, and ultimately resurrection. Let's just, you see, people, in your worst day, just like this young couple, you can appreciate they, their wedding day was their best day. And then someone whispers in the ear, you've run out of wine. It certainly turned into their possibility of their worst day. And you know what? We can all have days uh, where we need, a, we need a third day resurrection. I mean, he's still the answer, church. He's still the answer to every hurt, every question, every pain, both physical and emotional. He's the answer to every struggle, every rejection, every stress, every uncertain future, every life here today. He's still the answer. He's the answer to the world. Some people would scoff at that and say, that's too easy an answer for you just to say that. No, it's not. Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life still. And ultimately, he does change, as we sang this morning, change things for people. And that's what I want to talk about. You need a third day resurrection sometimes in your life. In the, the, the things that happen in life, the circumstances that unfold that we didn't plan on happening, the struggles, the things that we thought would never happen and are happening, the things that want to crowd in in our heart and just erode away our joy, things like that can happen. You know that. I know that. I was, I was actually just yesterday afternoon, I was, I was um, just helping put that wall behind us back together. If you didn't know, that's a wall that come, folds apart and it's in sections and it pushes back and you can have the, you know, you've probably seen that in a couple of years ago when we didn't have it there. And I was putting it back and, and, um, and uh, I was just waiting for someone to come and help me, but I just thought I'd just start. And so as I started to put it back, it, it, it folds. It, it's big and heavy. Thankfully, it runs on really good rollers on the top, but it's very big and heavy, and, and it, 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 it kind of folds in on itself, the sections. And so I was just trying to unfold that, and um, I had my hand like that. And as I'm unfolding one of those big sections, that one on the right, um, uh, as I fold it back, I didn't realize that this finger... Have you seen this finger? <laughs> anyway, it's got a bandage on it. Uh, this finger was actually in the jam. And so I pulled the door back 
locked it in place and I literally locked my finger into this four millimeters section. So it crushed the top of my finger. Uh, thankfully, it didn't cut, it, it just about cut through the back of it. Uh, thankfully, but it did, thankfully, you got a nail there that can compress down and the bone, I don't know how big the bone is, but I think it went just about all the way to the bone. It didn't cut, but it's crushed the fingernail. And, uh, and, and uh, by the time I got it out, it was incredible pain. Does anybody relate to that? Okay. Fingers are funny things, aren't they? They hurt. Why did God put so many nerve endings in your fingers? I don't know. Anyway, I am walking around the back of the church going, pray. I don't know what I was saying. <laughs> ah! <laughs> I'm not one to say anything really. I'm not one to say bad. I give that up many, many decades ago. But I was in pain. And I'm looking at it. As I look at it, there was one element of it that I was... I looked at it and I, and I literally thought, I'm thankful for that. And you know what I was thankful for? The blood was coming up under the nail, but it was flowing out the sides of the nail and out the top of the finger. Um, and I was really thankful for that because if you've ever hit your finger with a hammer and the blood congeals under your nail, it's incredible pressure builds up. And if there's no release, it throbs and throbs for 24 hours. And actually, in fact, as an apprentice, I hit my finger with a, uh, a hammer once and uh, every good tradesman knows this. I got a little drill press, and I just a two a little two millimeter hole. I just drilled it because the nail can't feel it. Um, you just got to make sure you don't go right through um, the finger. But I just drilled a little hole, and it was um, it was throbbing. It was amazing the release as the blood flowed out. <sighs> I'll help you out if anybody's if anybody's got that problem with a fingernail and you hit it. Just come around. I got a drill. I'll fix it. Anyway, <laughs> you say, how is this story related to what you're talking about? That's a good question, but I thought it was just a good story. <laughs> anyway, <laughs> I was very thankful. There was a lot of blood, and I was very thankful for that. We finally stopped the blood flowing, and, uh, and uh, we got it bandaged up, and, and, and it's all good, and I prayed for it, and uh, you know what? It's feeling really good. It's going to be right. Um, it'll, be, it'll fix itself up. I hopefully won't lose the nail, maybe eventually, but anyway, it doesn't matter. I've lost nails before. In actual fact, I've hurt every finger on this hand. I've, <laughs> I've dislocated this one, broke this one. Four stitches in this one, and I crushed the nail on this one, and it grew a new nail. So there we go. Anyway, that's enough of nail stories. But I'm just saying this. It's amazing that when you get the flow of blood, it's amazing how much pain is relieved. And I'm so thankful that Jesus Christ is still the answer today, folks. And I'm so thankful for over 2,000, about two, over 2000 years ago, he said yes, that I'll turn the water into wine at the, at the wedding of Cana. Because when he said yes to turning water into wine, he was saying, yes, I'm actually going to set a course, the time frame where I'm actually going to die for humanity. My blood will flow, my body will be broken. And I tell you what, there's going to be a good, bad day for me, but a good Friday for them. And eventually after the Sabbath on the Saturday, on the Sunday, I'm going to rise again for humanity. And you know what? I am the resurrection and the life, so I'm, I know that I'm going to rise again. And I'm so glad he did that because I crushed my finger yesterday afternoon and I can pray for my healing and I can also believe that there is a better day because of a good God 
And it's amazing when the blood flows how much pressure is taken off you when you receive Jesus Christ into your life and accept the reality of what he did for us at Calvary. He died for my sin. He let his blood flow so the pain of humanity would not feel the pain of their sin, but would, uh, we do in the consequences. But we will have a place, eternal place in heaven. I'm so glad for that. So what is the answer today? The answer is Jesus. He's still the answer. Far out. Look at the time. Praise God. That's okay. Here's, let me quickly go to, to you. Not only is the answer, verse 5, his mother said to the servants, what, whatever he says to you, do it. Do you remember? He, see what this says? His mother said to him, uh, you know, after Jesus says, what's that to do with me? My time's not yet come. Mary turned around and said to the servants, guys, whatever he says, do it. Because I know. He's, he's not just my son, but he's amazing. Here's my second thought. Obey him. Do you know what? We can know that he's a resurrection, but we never live for him. We live for ourselves sometimes. We live for our own gratification, our own selfishness sometimes. And Mary said, just obey him because he knows what he's doing. You know, it's like someone who comes and fixes my car who's a really good mechanic. There's some guys in this church, I will tell you what, if you ever want to, I would let them fix my car. They know what they're doing. There's some other people who wouldn't let you fix my car, but that's okay. But, you know, those people who know how to fix, I mean, whatever they say, I'm going to do. And I want to tell you, Jesus Christ knows how to fix your life and he's worth obeying. You know what we do? We give into the struggle and think, think, we, think, we think on it too much or we, think, we, we give it too much airplay in our minds. And we think, what, oh, this is going to happen and this is going to happen when it doesn't, that's not necessarily going to happen. We internalize our fears. We internalize our anxieties, our stresses, and let it run unchecked through our mind. We allow things to get to us to the point where then we verbalize it and sometimes tear other people down because of the pain and rejection and hurt that we have. We, allow, we beat ourselves up and condemn ourselves about what we've failed in, in the past, where Jesus says, you know what? Walk in, don't live in condemnation. Conviction is different, but walk in my freedom, forgiving and moving away from your past. Or we can direct our anger at somebody or something, thinking that's their fault. What did Jesus do at the wedding? He said to the servants, fill up six jars, big water pots with water. That seems like a strange request. What's that going to do? Well, Jesus knew exactly what he was going to do. He, he, he Just obey me. Mary said, just obey him. They filled up the water. Of course, bang. They said, take a little bit out. It was better wine than the, than the previous wine that they started the wedding with. Um, do you know what? I, I, I love this thought. But Jesus, you know what Jesus says for you and me today? Just do the next right thing. Because you know the right things to do. Really? We've got a conscience. We know. You know what, that for this morning, for you, that may be, just obey him. Thank him for what he needs to be thanked for. That may mean trust him. Just do the next right, just trust him. Because if you would trust him, he can then direct your steps. Proverbs 3, 5 and 6, trust in the Lord with all your heart and all your ways acknowledge him. He will direct your paths or steps. You know, for some of us, that may mean commit Commit it to prayer. What is, when's the last time that you pray about that thing? Or have you allowed it to consume you and run unchecked through your mind, creating this, you know, just so, such emotional turmoil? Stop it and start to say, God, I just give, I cast my cares to you because you care for me. 
Maybe, maybe today you need to praise him. And that can seem like a strange request. Why praise him in the midst of something bad? Well, it's amazing because this, I love what the psalmist says in Psalm 42.5. My soul, why are you downcast? Why disturbed within me? That's talking about my emotions. Put your hope in God for I will yet praise him, my Savior and my God. You know, it's amazing that you, when you start to praise him, hope starts to rise up on the inside and you can put your trust in him. He's my God and he's my Savior. Well, today, is he your God or is something else your God today? Just obey him. You know, it's something else. It's all the things that you like, material things in this world, your God. All those things that want to just, uh, you know, play to your feelings and play to your emotions and make you feel good. Praise God for material things in this world. But you know what? It can't be your God because it doesn't last. It'll fade away. Moth and rust will destroy one day. So many, you know, he just, Mary just said, obey him. You know, when we've come to understand that he is the answer, we've just, you know, I find that sometimes saying something and doing it can be two different things. And it's coming just to obey him. Because you know what? He's got a blessed life for us. I've never found doing what the Bible says, what Jesus asked me to do, actually destroys my life and actually gives life. Gives life. The third thing we'll finish with, it says in verse 10, the master of ceremonies came back to Jesus and said, you know what? You've kept good wine until now. You've kept the good wine until now. Wow. It's usually in the wedding you put out the bad wine and then later on. I mean, so you give the good wine first and later on when they kind of had a bit to drink, then you bring that wine that isn't so good. No, you've done it the other way around, the master of ceremonies said. It's amazing, and you know, here's the third thing. Isn't it amazing when you understand that Jesus is the answer and you walk in obedience to his truth and life and his, the things he said to us, it's amazing the provision he makes for you. The provision. He turned six water pots of water um, into incredible wine. The provision is amazing. It's amazing what God can do. The wine was better than the original. I love it about Jesus. Do you know what? Jesus, it says this, Jesus said this in Luke 14 about himself. You know what? The Spirit of God, or the Lord, is upon me because he has anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. He sent me to heal the brokenhearted. I mean, I want to continue to believe for healing. That's a God, that's the blessing of God. You know, to proclaim liberty to the captive. What's that talking about? You know, mental uh, illness sometimes, or struggles in our mind, or fearfulness, or discouragement, or anxiety. He wants to bring liberty in our minds, so that those minds are captive, recovery of sight to the blind, not just physical, but spiritually, be able to see what you, is truth and what's lies, and to set liberty those who are oppressed, those who are oppressed in their hearts with struggles. I love that Jesus wants to bless our lives, not curse our lives. He wants to help our lives. He's got good things for us. The enemy just continually puts the distractions in front of us, doesn't he? You know, there was a man called Abraham, and... and uh, I'll let the team come up. There was a man called Abraham. And uh, interesting enough, uh, it's recorded in Genesis 22 that, uh, well, before that, those, that chapter, uh, Abraham couldn't have children. And him and his wife were getting older, and God had promised them children, and the promise was lingering. 
and Abraham got to 100 and Sarah was 90 and they finally gave birth to a son and they were over the moon, they were excited. That little boy grew up into a teenager, a young man and then God said to Abraham, take your son and sacrifice him on a certain mountain uh, and, uh, 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 and uh, I want to see. You know, God was just wanting to see whether Abraham would be obedient to him and Abraham must have thought at first that's, that's just an impossible ask. This is the promised son, God. This is the one that was going to be my heir. You know, you want me to sacrifice him? You know, why would that be? Why why would, you know, Abraham would have had a lot of questions, but the scripture doesn't fill everything that Abraham thought. It doesn't put it in the scripture. But we see Abraham took the boy. He took a donkey with some firewood on it to build an altar. And he went to this particular mountain where God wanted him to sacrifice his son. And, and, and finally, it says in Scripture, um, it says in Genesis 22, 4, And on the third day, Abraham lifted his eyes and saw the place afar off. Just wait a sec. Did you note that? On the third day, Abraham lifted his eyes and saw the place afar off. It was the mountain. And Abraham left the servant there, took the wood, took his son, and then, he, and, then, and then his son said, Father, there's the wood, there's a the fire, but what are we, where's the sacrifice? And Abraham, by faith, said, you know what? God's going to provide the sacrifice for us. It's right. Because, you know, it was the third day. Now, in hindsight, Moses wrote this, but Abraham didn't know where the sacrifice. He, as far as he was concerned, I could, I'm going to have to kill my son, and if it's going to happen, God can raise him from the dead. I don't know how God's going to do it. i just got to trust him. I tell you what, that's a big trust, isn't it? And so he walks up this hill. He builds the altar. He puts his son on there. He ties him to the altar. He lifts his knife. He's about to plunge it because as far as he was concerned, his son, Abraham would have had to be thinking, my son is already dead. He's dead to me. I, I can't allow any emotion. I've got to do, <coughs> excuse me what God wants me to do. He didn't do that. He's about to plunge the knife down and God says, stop! And God says, there's a goat caught in the thicket over there. That's the sacrifice. And you know, and, and so he unties the boy. They get the goat. They sacrifice the goat. And Abraham and his son walk back. That would have been a good day. Because sometimes the third day doesn't start so good. Because when the women went to the tomb on, on, on Easter Sunday, Jesus, as far as they were going, to, they were going to see a corpse. They were going to anoint a corpse and prepare it for further burial. That was Jesus' corpse. But he had risen already. So it didn't start well. And sometimes your day doesn't start well. But I want to tell you that you allow Jesus and allow him into your life. And I tell you what, it changes the way you see that day. And it's amazing how better the day can get. I'm not going to say all your problems will be taken away. I'm just going to say he's going to be with you to work through the cares of life. And the wonderful thing about Abraham is that God made a provision for him. He made a provision. As he was obedient, God provided. And God wants to make provision for your life. He's interested in every aspect of your life. Even the simple things like the wedding at Cana, he's interested in every aspect. What matters to you matters to him. And today is something troubling you that you've been reluctant to go to Jesus with. Well, he's he's in the third day, the resurrection. He wants to resurrect. Just as he resurrected that wedding from a disaster, 
from a, a, a terrible process of shame and guilt for the rest of their lives. He helped that young couple up out of the dust. And so this morning, I'm so thankful that it's the third day that Jesus speaks to us about all the time. On the third day, Abraham was about to sacrifice his son, but God provided a sacrifice. On the third day, Jesus rose again. On the third day, Jesus turned the water into wine. It continually goes on and on and on because all the writers of the scriptures, some of them were speaking prophetically, not knowing that it was going to be the resurrection day for Jesus, but they spoke it, they wrote it down anyway. John would have known because he wrote this after the death and resurrection of Jesus. So he knew what he was writing, folks. He knew he was talking about the third day was the resurrection of Jesus. And he said, on that third day, the first miracle was performed by Jesus for someone who had, they didn't, they, they would have had a terrible future if it wasn't for Jesus, a young couple who just got married. So what about your day today? What about this week? What about this month? Has it been difficult? Yeah, probably. But we have a God and we have a Savior through Jesus Christ. Can we stand together today? We're going to sing this song and I just ask the team just to come. Just for a moment. It's a beautiful song, so let's sing it right now.
I just ask uh, if you would kindly close just your eyes today? And just while we're here in this moment, let me ask you, uh, do you need to accept Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior? And you've never publicly done that. You've never done that before in your life. You've never confessed Him as your Lord and Savior. Maybe you've thought about it or maybe, you know, you've kind of had believe in God but you know what it says if we confess with our mouth and believe in our heart the Lord Jesus Christ it it says we can be saved saved from what saved from from hell (laughs) for one saved for eternity hell was never made for you and me it was made for the devil and his demons but unfortunately people choose it uh, when they neglect to choose Jesus I, I say that with all sincerity But, you know, have you ever responded? Or maybe today, if it's not the first time response to Jesus, maybe again today, you need to say yes to Jesus Christ. I think it's a wonderful, it's a credible moment. And so today, with your eyes closed, could could you just give me a wave today? We just lift your hand if you say yes to Jesus. For the first time or time again, I'll acknowledge that and you can put your hand down. We're good. We're good. Father, I just thank you for every life here. I thank you for every heart here. And I pray that we would know that we'd know, uh, God, where we stand with you. And we'd be assured of that. Father, I just thank you for every person. I thank you that I can now assume very, and, and be rejoice over that, that we know where we stand with you, we've accepted you. And I pray blessing upon your people that in Jesus' name. The second thing I want to ask is today is maybe there's a moment where you just, uh, you've already maybe surrendered something to God, but today you just need to say, Father, here it is. And you maybe you've surrendered it several times, but it still comes back and gnaws at you and eats at you. And it just, you just want to break through that. It just want to say, God, I just, I can't continue to live that way. I can't continue to be filled with fear or anxiety. I can't continue to live with that attitude. I can't continue. I need to ask you all that addiction, whatever it is. You know what? I believe that our God is powerful. Holy Spirit is amazing. And I invite you, as we sing this song, just to come to the front and let's just stand together and pray. It's like a surrender. It's like an Abraham bringing his son. I just get rid of that, which I don't need. I sacrifice it. I yield it to you. You're welcome this morning. I I believe the presence of God is just here to touch and to minister and to encourage and to bring breakthrough. So I just would ask you're welcome to come as we sing the rest of this song. If you have to go after the song, you go. That's fine. We're going to spend a moment in prayer if there's people who need to be prayed for. Come on. Thanks, team. Jesus. 
So, Father, as we go uh, into this day and this week and this month and this year, we just ask that we would continue just to realize that every day has its possibilities of a third day, a resurrection day, and a day of encouragement. We may have a good day, but help us not to let little things just to mess those days up. And Father, we commit ourselves to you. We thank you for your faithfulness and love to us in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Have a great day, uh, folks. Encourage one another today. That would be great.